you are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. That now is the time where God is calling his people out from out from out the world. You're going to be in the world, but he's saying in your heart, in your spirit, God is calling you out to be a separate people. The message I have for you today, I, I was my wife is sharing this comic with me. It was just hilarious. It comes from Family Circus, and I, I can't show this to you. I'm sorry. You're too far away. But in this picture, it's the father. He's holding a cookie. I was going to put on PowerPoint. I said, ah, never mind, because I'm a good storyteller, right? So he has this big cookie, and he's saying to his son, <laughs> what's the magic word to get what you want? You know, we're all thinking old language, right? And the kid says, I'm offended. <laughs> have a cookie. Have all you want. That's just that's the, the title of today's message. I'm offended. And we're living in a world of political correctness. We're living in a world where social media soapboxing is so popular. I mean, no one would give a, a, a minute of time to the village idiot right back in the day. But all of a sudden, village idiots have got a platform. You know, they're, they're, turn to the person next to you and say, pastor's not talking about you. He's talking about the person next to me. <laughs> I'll get myself in trouble today. This is going to be one of those dangerous ones. Watch out. But let me tell you, oh, my goodness, media, social media is soapboxing. Everyone's got an opinion. Oh, my goodness. And it's becoming so increasingly easy to offend people. I mean, it's happening all the time. And how do you handle offense? When it comes your way, this is the kind of question we're going to answer today, because your response will reveal more about who you are and what you value, what you're offended at. Think about this for a moment. Did Jesus get offended? So today I'm hoping to unpack these things. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And chapter 26, if you did not bring an old school Bible, praise God we live in a digital media age because I know you took your smartphone with you. We never forget our smartphone. So pull out that smartphone, pull out that baby, open up your browser. I want you to type in there Matthew or just put Matt 26 colon 6 to 16. Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 to 16. If you're new to the house, I hope you'll forgive me. I like to have some jokes at my own expense, and people laugh at me, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to be able to laugh at yourself. I'm a big boy, but I hope you can laugh with us. <laughs> Actually, I'm a short, but I'm a little boy, but I'm a little man, but I have some fun at my own expense, and it's okay, and I hope that you'll have fun with us today, but can you not be quiet today? Please don't be quiet. When you get a word and you think, oh, ouch, that really hurt. One of those claps is just telling you, okay, Jesus, you got me. You got me with that one, okay? And if you're saying, oh, I need to claim that word, you do so as well. Some of you just need to point and say, mm, you got me, pastor. Okay, I'm just trying to hear from the Lord. I'll do my very best. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 26, reading from verse 6 all the way to 16. Are you ready? You guys are quiet today. Are you ready, church? In the back, are you ready, church? Up in cattle class. Are you ready, church? <laughs> Just throw them peanuts and they'll be okay. All right. 
Lee, hey, I'm first class up here. We're first class. It's okay. Matthew, they're going to throw the peanuts back at me. That's the true thing. Keep the peanuts in the bag, okay? That's it. Hey, Marty, come on and join us over here, brother. Come and join us. Matthew 26, reading from verse 6. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. I mean, I don't know how to take that sometimes, you know. If some strange woman took a bottle of perfume and poured it over my head, hey, woman, come on, what's going on? I don't know. Jesus took it. Jesus took it. I mean, I understand. You're going to see for a minute here, the disciples are thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, what the, what are you doing? Look at this, verse 8. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. If you're wondering what the word indignant means, they were offended. They were angry with this word. And they said, what a waste. It could have been sold for a high price if you compare. This story is in every gospel. The other gospels say it was worth a year's wages. Think about that for a moment. What's the average typical Australian wage? By the way, the average now is about 70 grand. Some of you are thinking, oh, man, I'm below that number there. Got to work on that one a bit more. Yes, in Jesus' name. That's 70 grand worth, okay, in today's currency, $70,000. So you can see why they're indignant. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor but jesus aware of this replied why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me you will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me she has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial i tell you the truth Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, by the way, again, in every gospel, that's good news. Wherever this story is told, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Look at verse 14. Here's the outcome of this. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver by the way, as a side note, that's the amount that you need to buy a slave, 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. I'm thinking as I read the statement, you see, you can immediately say, oh, but Judas is the traitor. Judas is a wicked man. Now, just stop for a moment. Jesus chose him. Just like Jesus chose you and you chose him, you chose to follow Jesus. No one held a gun to your head and said, you must follow Jesus or else. No, you chose him. Jesus chose him and he chose Jesus. He followed Jesus for three years. And you read these stories of Jesus teaching such amazing things and they're seeing things with their own eyes, things that they could not possibly have ever imagined, that a man could walk on water. Mind blown. 
that he could raise people from the dead. I mean, I love one of these stories where as Jesus is walking with his disciples, there came a ceremony, a funeral procession. His men are coming out and a woman with an only son. She's an elderly woman. Her, her adult young son is dead. And all the hopes are dead with her in that tomb. She's now going to be beneath the poverty line. She's in trouble. She's weeping and she's crying as they're leading this procession. And there's Jesus just comes over. Get up. You're alive now. And up the man comes. I mean, he ruins. <laughs> he ruins a funeral. He does it all the time, constantly ruining funerals. Meanwhile, the disciples are like, who? is this guy? How can he do this? I mean, they're in a boat. There's an incredible storm. Yes, he walked on it. I think he surfed on it. You know, the top of the waves, by the way. He finally gets into the boat and he says, peace, be still. Instantly, the wind and the waves die down. And these disciples say, I mean, I'm a double. How does this happen? This is incredible. They can't understand this. The deaf hear. The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. Every city and everywhere they go, there's miracles and healing, signs and wonders. Demons are scattering. And then Jesus says, guess what? It's your turn. And he pairs them up two by two. And he says, okay, Adam, go at them, boys. So two by two, it's 12 disciples, six, okay, six groups go out into all of Judea, and they are preaching the gospel, telling the good stories of what they've seen. This Jesus is amazing. This rabbi is the Messiah, and they are given opportunity and anointing to also perform all kinds of miracles, all kinds of healings, casting, as the Bible says, every kind of demon out. That's Judas. And then another group, there was 70 of them, two by two, now 35 going even wider, and they reach touching all of Israel, and everyone's baffled, like, how is this possible? And Judas is one of them. Judas performed healings. Judas saw blind eyes see. Judas saw deaf ears hear. Judas probably saw people, lame people walk. Let me tell you, I bring people, we can't do it now because of COVID, but we used to bring people to Malaysia every year. Everyone, you know, there's always a skeptic in every group and they're there in the midst of it all. I remember the most skeptical person came with us. He helped us to plant this church. And he was absolutely, totally skeptical. Couldn't believe it. He comes from an atheist family. They're all still atheists. He's the only Christian and normal at that time. And I remember him coming along, and I'm thinking, God, what will it take to open this man's eyes? He's so doubtful. And I remember at the end of our ministry, we're finishing off. We're an hour or so outside of KL, the capital of Kuala Lumpur. And we're at a, uh, it was a uh, what Tamil, Tamil-speaking service. And uh, my friend, Pastor Newton, he was preaching. It's a healing service, and rather than take it right after that and start performing miracles and healings, he throws me in, in, the, in the deep end. He says, and Pastor Paul is going to be praying for you. Good on you. Because the first person that comes up is a lady with, what was it? All advanced Parkinson's disease. And half her body is shaking involuntarily. She can't control herself. And I remember taking the skeptic with me. Because uh, I said, uh, actually, before I did that, I'm thinking, Lord... <laughs> How is this ever going to be possible? This is really bad. Because if this woman doesn't get healed, the faith in the room will be dead. No one's going to get healed. They're not going to believe any of this is real. And so I thought, you know what? Lord, you have to do this. It's your reputation at stake, not mine. I don't care. I'm just going to pray. It's up to you. This is your show. So I thought, I'm going to take the person with the least amount of faith in this group after two weeks. 
So I grabbed this guy, said, you're coming with me. I said, I want you to come with me. Oh, pastor, I can't do that. I said, we, we had done this before. We prayed. Can you, can you speak in tongues? Yes. Okay. Can you catch for me? Yes. Okay, do that. So he comes up. He's just putting his hands there just to steady the woman. And usually when I pray for people, they don't fall down, okay? That's, that's just my kind of ministry. But they get healed. They get filled with the Spirit, all that. Yes, it all happens. And so, but this woman, it was just simple words. <laughs> oh, God, you better be here. <laughs> I thought it was going to be so bad. Parkinson's disease, in the name of Jesus, I command you go now. Instantly, this woman fell down on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. She's down for the count. And this guy is wiping his mouth thinking, this is, this is impossible. He's right in the middle of a miracle. He can't believe this. And he's thinking, he told me afterwards, he's thinking, yeah, but when she gets up in two minutes, she's going to be shaking again. Well, she gets up, and she's completely still. And the church began to shout and scream because they've not seen a miracle like this before. You can give glory to God for that. That's a good thing. I found out later that they were preparing for a funeral because she had advanced Parkinson's. They were ready for her to die. And this changed everything. The next minute, big groups lining up. It was just one lady to start with. Next minute, big groups. Pastor Yoon had to do his group. He had to do another group. And we're praying one after the other. And finally, the fourth person I prayed for, I said, okay, your turn. He goes, oh, I can't do it, Pastor. I said, well, did you see everything I did here? Okay, I, I, you know, it's not me doing it. I'm just commanding it. So go ahead. If you stuff up, <laughs> I'll fix it. Have a go. He did it. And the, the person, I think it was a woman, was healed. His faith just went. Poof. He was like, come on, who's next? <laughs> he, was, he was on it. He was on it. That was Judas. Doubtful that anything could happen. He couldn't believe this was possible. And yet before his eyes, he's casting demons out. He's doing all these things. So what would it take to get a godly man, an apostle in training, to not only turn his back on his mentor, but to actually destroy his ministry? Three years. Well, I'll tell you. It's the word offense. Very simple. I was reading an article from The Independent. Uh, from January 2018. So back at that time, this has just happened. It says, MTV mo Movie and Film Awards acting trophies, for example, are no longer categorized from that year on by gender, but given to the best actor in a movie, best actor in a show, in a move to modernize and reflect younger generations' views of gender as a spectrum. In, in fact, that same year, the New York subway announced it will use gender-neutral pronouns instead of ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because people are offended. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Is offense being amplified through social media? Or is social media simply capturing more broadly the previously hidden offenses of people? Let me go further. Is social media actually shaping the attitudes of people and sensitizing, not desensitizing, well, they're doing that too, sensitizing them to things that otherwise people couldn't care less about. I'm not excusing the need for cultural sensitivity or the need to be compassionate or the need to be understanding when dealing with another person, but in a world that no longer holds a compass to know where north, south, east, west is for good and evil, who has the power to decide what is right and wrong? Public opinion? Or is it God's word? What determines right and wrong? Some of you finally getting, okay, they're coming alive, praise the Lord. 
Because it goes further than this. Because if you're listening to what the world says, if you're talking only to your friends to figure out what is right and wrong, then where is God's place in your life for those of you that are saying, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian. Because let me tell you, put up a Christian verse up there, because there's so many polarizing verses in the Bible. Let me tell you, put it up there and see how many Christians attack you. They will, I'm looking at this, the live stream people, they will attack you. The question is, what is shaping your attitudes then? If the word of God is absent from your life, what is shaping your attitude? Because what you think is right may not necessarily be what the Lord says is right. Didn't Jesus say, I am the truth, the way and the life? He is the truth. But we live in a world that says, no, no, no. Truth is up to the individual. You decide what truth is. Yeah, spoken like a true atheist. But what if the word of God is actually true? What if you as a Christian are not actively reading the Bible? What's going to have the greatest sway over your life and more importantly, over your emotions? A morning consult poll surveyed more than 13,000 U.S. adults and found that 81% of American people are too easily offended these days. They're saying that. They said, we know. So they, they did the survey, and the vast majority of people said, yeah, people are getting more offended today than they ever have been before. I looked up that word offense. In the original Greek, it's the word skandalizo, or it's uh, noun form, scandalon. From which our words, yes, scandal and scandalize come directly from. Would you like to know what it means? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Let's go deeper. <laughs> no, no, Pastor. No, no. You, you, you were good. Thank you. Thank you. It means to entrap. It means to trip up. It means, listen to this, write it down, to entice to sin. That's what offense means. It means apostasy. What is apostasy? Apostasy is the abandonment or the renunciation of a religious belief. It comes from the Greek word apostasies, meaning defection. So, let's put it together. It means to trip up. It means to entrap. It means to entice the sin. It means apostasy, and it also means displeasure. According to... Uh, the reports I looked at here, the word scandalon was actually a, a description of something. It was the trigger of a trap on which bait is placed. When an animal touches the trigger to eat the bait, the trap springs shut and the animal is caught. <laughs> wow. In other words, a fence is a trap. It is designed to entice you to sin. It is designed to entice you to displeasure, and eventually it is designed eventually to bring you to a place of apostasy where you reject your own faith. Let's go deeper. Offense is designed to knock you off course, to take you out of your walk with God. Look at the scripture, what it tells us in their stories. A man will betray his own friend. Judas did that to Jesus when offended. A man will conspire against his own friend, Ahithophel, king's senior advisor, father of Bathsheba, would do that to David because he was offended. 
A man will refuse correction even from a trusted source, Cain, when God was correcting him because he was offended. A man will justify killing someone because he's offended. A man will hate someone because he's offended. And the list goes on. You see, offense reveals the character of a person. The thing that you're offended about, you need to examine and ask yourself, okay, God, what are you trying to deal with here? Because I am pressing every button. I just want to throttle them right now. Some of you guys are just too holy. You can't relate to this. You're not talking about me, Pastor. You talk about my neighbor. <laughs> In this story, the sin of Judas's heart was revealed when he started the disciples on a moral high ground with the point, what a waste. This money could have been sold for a high price and given to the poor. And all the world says, yeah, Judas, you are so right. That is a moral high ground. You are morally superior. <laughs> and then Jesus spoke. I had to measure this up and compare with other scripture. And if you look at it in the book of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who heard it from the source, he wrote this. <laughs> wow. He says, I'm trying to find the right verse. Where are we? Sorry. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. But Judas said this because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Wow. Moral high ground. Everyone's thinking, yeah, we should back this guy. That sounds really good. You're right. You should have sold that money. You should have given it to the poor. And there's Jesus saying, she's preparing me for burial. This is a good thing. And Judas couldn't handle it. Offense reveals the condition of a person's heart. And if you cannot deal with the offense, it will be the turning point in your walk and your journey with God. You may claim to be a Christian. You may still go to church, probably another church, because you're offended in <laughs> this church, and you've taken off, thinking to yourself, you're pious and holy, and you're accepted by the new church. And, oh, see, see, they were wicked, but I'm accepted until they get offended in the new church. And then they move on to the name. Can I hear something? You know what I'm Okay. God bless you. Okay. I'm, I'm talking to real people. I didn't know for a minute there. I thought I was just talking to the church. Thank, thank you so much. I got you, didn't I? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, if you have any complaints, just write to tanya.tpardidi at lovecitychurch.com. People have left church over lesser things and blame the leaders or blame the pastor for their departure because they were offended. But keep in mind, Judas had the most perfect pastor of all, and he was still offended. Jesus warns us in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. You're going to be offended. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to be offended. Turn to the other neighbor and tell him, I'm going to offend you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Why? Because it's revealing the true character and the nature of who you are. And God is doing you a favor by using that person next to you, that leader that's around you in your group, this pastor, to offend you, to reveal what's in your heart. 
Let me give you four quick things. Why offenses come? I'll go a bit deeper. Is this okay? You still love me? I'm offended. <laughs> Why offenses come? Number one, offenses come to break the traditions of man. The things you've always done, God's going to break it to show you that's not the way to go. Where do I get that from? Matthew 15, verse 12 and 14, the disciples came to him and said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you say that? Verse 14, he said, ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if a blind person guides another, they both fall into a ditch. God's going to correct the way you're doing things. He's going to fix it by offending you. But it's always been done this way, Pastor. Yeah, God's going to change that as well. He's going to offend you. Why do offenses come, number two, to reveal hidden sins in your heart? I don't sin. I'm okay with God. Why are you getting offended? Think about it. Number three, why do offenses come? To divide a house. Do you know? Can I just, I'm going to get a bit closer here at the moment in the live stream as well. If people weren't offended in this church, we'd have about 200 plus people in our church. <laughs> you can't see. We've got a few people here, by the way, but they haven't all left. Praise God. I'm just going to keep going. If, if you're from Love City Church in the past, I'm so sorry. God bless you. Repent. Number four. <laughs> you guys were quiet. You should have helped me out here. Man. I'll, I'll just have to pay him a little bit more. <laughs> Number four. Why do offenses come? To entice a person to sin. The devil's got your number. He's going to entice you. He can't make you feel anything you don't want to feel, but he can start saying to you, but how about that? Do you remember what she said the other day? And she said that two years ago. And remember five years before that, she also said, oh, yeah, yeah. Cain was so offended that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his offering, he couldn't control himself, so he killed him. Listen to God when he corrects you. Because correction may come through your boss. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for correcting me. <laughs> I'm so offended right now. I just want to throttle my boss. But I know you're in this, Jesus, somewhere. Correction may come through your wife. Husbands don't look at your wives, and wives don't say, See, I told you. Because you say, It's also wives as well. Sometimes both. Sometimes they're both, boss and wife. Correction may come through your leader. <laughs> Correction may come through your pastor. Correction will definitely come through the word of God. Are you listening or are you running? Naaman was offended that the great prophet Elijah did not come to meet me personally and wave his hand to cure me. What was it not for, but were it not for his friends, his officers, it says, sir, if that prophet asked you to do something really, really difficult, you would have done it. But it's so simple, you're offended by it. And he says, you're right. And he did it. And he received the blessing. Can I tell you, surround yourselves with godly friends who can correct you when you're being an idiot. Thank, thank you so much. for. I think we're getting there. <laughs> 
It's a hard word to preach. I'm just, I'm going to make it across the line. Michael, the wife of David, saw him prancing around because he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant of God. The Bible says all of Israel, they're instruments, musicians, and singers, and he's dancing around in a loincloth, linen loincloth, you know, <laughs> they're letting it all hang out. You can imagine why his wife's offended and angry. You paraded yourself in front of all those girls in Israel. He says, I'll embarrass myself even more if it means I bring more glory to God. Be careful of offense and resentment because it could mean the difference between fruitfulness and barrenness. The Bible says because of that, she never had a child. God shut her womb. John the Baptist was anointed and appointed to announce the coming of the promised Messiah. He saw him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Absolute certainty. And then he's in prison and his ministry is destroyed. Now he's wondering, he sends a message. Are you really the one? Hang on, hang on, hang on. You are anointed. The Holy Spirit revealed to you that Jesus is the Messiah. And now that your ministry is over and destroyed and you're in prison, no one visited you, all of a sudden you're questioning whether what you said was right in the first place. Be careful that your ministry and that your work doesn't define you. Because God will test what's in your heart by removing that job, by removing that ministry from you. Everyone okay? All right. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff to share with you. I'm just going to shrink it down so I don't get stoned. Okay. How to overcome offense. I'll go quick. Are you ready? Number one, be meek. In the be attitudes, be attitudes, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And you think to yourself, being meek is someone who's humble, someone who's quiet, someone who's shy. That's not what the commentators say. According to Jack Hayford, he says, meek does not connote weakness, but rather controlled strength. The word carries the idea of humility and discipline. In other words, it's a person who knows that good and bad both come from the Lord for a reason, because he will never allow bad to come into your life without first having a plan that he will use it to build you up, to strengthen you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're getting there. Luke 7.23 says, in the Amplified Version, and blessed, happy, with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions and to be envied, is he who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble, whatever may occur. Being able to say, yes, God. Job understood this well. He says, don't both good and bad come from the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He taketh and he giveth. Everyone okay so far? Let me keep going. I'm going to just jump over a whole bunch of stuff. Number two. This is all about, okay, how to overcome offense. I'm offended, Pastor. Okay, number two, stay calm. Proverbs 12, verse 16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Turn to the person next to you and say, <laughs> Remain calm. <laughs> You're no fool. You may be thinking, but how could I possibly stay calm and all I want to do is wring the neck of the person who offended me? The answer, notice it says, a wise person stays calm. <laughs> Look at them again and say, mm-hmm. 
wise people stay calm. I remember it was, it was, uh, it was the day before Christmas. It was Christmas Eve. My wife remembers this. We used to live on the north side of Brisbane. Our local shopping center was Westfield Chermside. We went to find parking. It was packed. It was packed. We were driving around, and we saw someone starting to leave. And so we're there. It was signaling, waiting, waiting, waiting. They pull out, and I start to turn in when this old lady runs and stands in the spot. says, stop. I, we've been waiting there a while. We're talking to the guy who's coming out. Yep, no problem. Just coming out. Just be a minute. Okay. And she just comes out there. Who is this lady? I start to drive and stop. I said, why? Because we were signaling from around the corner. <laughs> we were signaling from around the corner to get into this car park. Where are you? Around the corner. My wife and I looked at each other thought, is it really worth getting offended over? Is it really worth getting upset over? I said, nah. We said, Lord, she can have it. We started to drive, and not, what, 15 seconds, 10 seconds, there's a new car park waiting for us. God likes to make it right. And there is, number three, make it right. How to overcome offense. Make it right. Matthew 5, 23 to 24 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You can play holy, you know, holy Christian right now. Oh, praise the Lord. But if your heart is not right, if you're offended, if you've offended someone and not made peace with them, God cannot accept your sacrifice. Your worship, I'm so sorry, is worthless. Make it right first. Then make his offering to the Lord. Married folks, did you ever have a fight before you went to bed and did not resolve the conflict? How'd that work out for you? And if you did sleep, God help you. How was your greeting in the morning? <laughs> I only did it a few times. and It was like, oh, it's cold. <laughs> Number five and the last one, how to overcome offense. Love, oh, sorry, two, two more. Love God's word. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Love God's word. It will deal with you before you get the chance to get offended because it deals with the heart. Finally, as, you know, made famous and frozen, let it go. <laughs> Leviticus 19:18. Do not... <laughs> I'm going to finish with this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.